howdy do who fans and welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary my name's adam and welcome to episode 218 yes one day i shall come back yes i shall come back until then there must be no regrets no tears no anxieties just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy do, Who fans. <laughs> Welcome to the Big Blue Watts podcast. Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. related. Yeah. Even in the barren wilderness. That is Doctor <laughs> Who at the moment. Isn't it? Very quiet out there. I know. We haven't got any news this week. Exactly <laughs> that, mate. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't got any news. We've got one piece of merch to talk about, which I know Adam is going to love. Yeah. It's his favourite subject. <laughs> Classic Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to review Torchwood Countryside. Are we still on Series 1? Crikey. Yeah. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Because we've we've blitz blitzing through Sarah Jane, um, but yeah, we're still on series one of Torchwood. Indeed, wowzers! Yeah. Yeah. Welcome aboard, new listeners, new subscribers. Glad to have you here, long time listeners. Welcome back. For those that don't know, we have a review schedule. Every week, we go through Doctor Who, classic and new, Sarah Jane Adventures, and Torchwood. So this week it is Torchwood's turn, mm. and uh, yes. Quite grisly old countryside. <laughs> yeah, it does make you think twice, doesn't it, about booking that little barn conversion down in <laughs> yeah. the countryside somewhere. Yeah, I packed the tent away. I was like, mm, no, yeah, don't think I will. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be eating any beef burgers either <laughs> while watching this one. <laughs> no rat burgers. <laughs> no. None at all. No. Yeah, I'll torch with eh? mm. Captain Jack. Captain Jack, yeah. John Barrowman's been really active, hasn't he, recently? Since he's he left has. the jungle, he's been all over the place. And I saw that he's announced his uh, his tour. You know, he's done this a few times over the years, hasn't he? Where he does like a 
it's almost like an evening with kind of thing, but it's a bit a larger scale. So instead of like uh, instead of in a small television studio, it's like at the Albert Hall or mm. Wembley Arena or something. And it's basically John Barrowman being a, a queen for half of it, Mister Fabulous, and the other half is <laughs> you know singing like show tunes and. Yeah. musical stuff and some pop songs that he's had out over the years and stuff. So I just noticed like his Insta- his Instagram feed is pretty much daily. There's stuff on there every single day. I think he did a round of uh, television. You know, in the UK, we have these morning talk shows that are quite popular, like Lorraine and This Morning and all that stuff. Yeah. He was on all of those. I think he was a co-host on This Morning with Holly Willoughby. Mm-hmm. And now he's back in the US doing something and then he's off to a convention next week and then he's back doing... He's just all over the place. He's busy. He man. is. He's a very busy man, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. It's ever since he was because he popped into the jungle, didn't he? On for those uh, the, the watch. Um, what's it called? I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. He was in that. Came as third, well. didn't he? I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Second or third. Yeah. So yeah, he is a very busy chap, and he's going to be at LFCC in June. Uh, sorry, in July, and he's going to be at London Film and Comic Con. He is. Yeah. He's there as well. Yeah. 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 That reminds me. I'm looking forward to the convention scene kicking off. Mm. very much so I'm up for it this year like last year um, I don't know if anyone remembers but I was a little bit not sort of down about the whole thing but I was a little bit like yeah I'm not too fussed about cons this year Mm. I was a little bit like oh yeah they're so busy and crazy and mental and and all that stuff I just want to get in and get out yeah (laughs) I was like the Grinch of the convention scene last year but this year I'm up for it mate I'm up for uh, especially London Film and Comic Con's got some cool people already. Are you going to meet Shatner? Have you met him before? Uh, actually, I would love to meet him, although I I hear terrible things about him. <laughs> I hear he's not the nicest guest <laughs> to meet. Um, but you know that's hearsay. I'm not. You know, don't take it as fact. But um, I do love the original series of Star Trek, and and uh, I, I have always wanted to get a photo with him. Uh, I mean, the thing is, in the photo session, is you. You don't really get to meet him anyway. It's literally two seconds and you're gone. So it yeah. wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to be too worried if he doesn't uh, have a full on conversation with me. But yeah, I hear he's not that chatty. Um, and also, <laughs> every photo I've seen with him, it, is, it does look like the person, it does look like they've been told to stand at least a foot away from him. Oh, really? He's sort of, yeah, he's always of, right. sat down, no <laughs> touching. Yeah, it does seem a little bit, oh. Uh, no, but okay. I don't know. I am tempted because, as I said, he. Yeah, him and you know Leonard Nimoy, who's sadly no longer with us. I would love to have met those guys because I just I adore the original series of Star Trek. But yeah, he's a temptation. Uh, Jenna's there as well. Now I'm not going to tell that. <laughs> I'm not going to tell that story because oh, every, everyone said yeah. it went at the disastrous time when Jenna Coleman snubbed me, and I've hated her ever since. But uh, you know, I'm willing to. Sh- to shell out, I think she's thirty-five quid, isn't she? For she a photo. is. Yeah, I'm willing to shell out uh, to get a proper photo with her if she's obliging, as long as she don't wear that silly beanie hat that she often wears in these photo shoots. Just looks ridiculous. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, I might, you know, because I need to, as I said to my good friend Dad, I need to replace that negative experience of meeting her with a positive one, hopefully. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm quite tempted to 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 get a pic with her as well. So her and Shatner are on my list uh, too. <laughs> yeah. He's uh his autograph price is uh the very meager 75 quid. I won't be getting his autograph. Or if you want the photo, 65. Yeah, I'm on more of a photo, more because yeah. if you remember last year as well at LFCC, one of the things that really um 
annoyed me was it was so hard to get autographs. I mean, I'm, only a couple of years ago, I can remember me and you meeting McGann. And yeah, we probably had to queue for about 20 minutes, but it, it was, you know, everybody seemed to be fairly accessible. Yeah. Um, but last year, it, even like people like Stephen Moffat, they were handing out tickets saying, no, no, you've got no chance. You know, you'll have to come back at four. And it was, it was impossible, wasn't it? They were just constantly handing out tickets, come back, come back. You might get to meet him. It was very difficult to get autographs last year. Um, I think because the amount of people that go to these things has increased and stuff. So the amount of tickets they sell. So I'm not too bothered about autographs particularly. As much as I'd love them, I just sort of think it's become impossible. Whereas the photo shoots, at least if you buy one, you know, you've got a fairly good chance of getting in. Although it's still yeah. not guaranteed. I always find that amazing that they can charge you for like, say, 75 to £95 pound for, for a photo, but there's still no guarantee you'll get it. I find that incredible. But <laughs> it's very unlikely that most of the time you will actually get the photo. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's um, yeah, and it's it's shaping up to be a fairly good one so far. I, th- I think the tickets will sell fairly quick because um, mm. Jason Momoa's there again, and yeah, he's popular, isn't he? Yeah, so it all sort of blew up when he was announced. So he's there again. Uh, in terms of Doctor Who people, we have obviously Jenna Coleman. You've just mentioned uh, John Barrowman's there. Uh, we have McCoy and Colin Baker and Sophie Aldred, John Leeson, Peter Purvis, John Levine. Uh, that's it for Who Stars so far. But i tell you what makes me laugh is I remember when Showmasters announced the London Comic on Spring. Oh, yeah. Which is the first weekend of March. And they kind of marketed this as like a little small event to kind of warm you up for the big one in July. Yeah. And uh, it's exactly the same venue. And they've got so many stars there. It's it's basically the same as the summer one. It's they got some, yeah they got some good ones haven't they yeah. yeah they got some crazy people there at the the spring one John Sim John Sim will yeah be there William Russell yeah that's a good one yeah Brian Miller yeah. Uh, Liz Sladen's husband uh, Jacqueline King Donna Noble's mum uh, McCoy's there uh, Colin Baker those two they'll go to bloody mm. anything um, who else is there Sarah Sutton. Uh, Bernard Cribbins. Bernard Cribbins is there. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, he's a good one. Yeah, uh, loads of people. Mm. Loads of people. Oh, um, Sharon Clark, who played Graham's wife in the latest Grace. series. Grace. Yep, she's going to mm, be yep. there. It's crazy. And there's yeah. loads of Star Wars people there as well, which is cool. Mm. Um, so yeah, the, the little spring event that was meant to be a smaller, more cosy, less busy event is now going to be absolutely rammed <laughs> in exactly the same way as the big summer one. So yeah. there you go. But I'm looking forward to the con scene this year. Defo. Yeah. They did incredibly well last year, didn't they? Getting all the doctors, nearly, <laughs> nearly all the doctors, including Chris and Matt Smith and Tenor. And that was quite a crazy, you know, and it's quite nice to see this year. They've got a few more of the classic and the cheaper who guessed as well because hmm. that's one thing we said last year when it? it was it was brilliant that they got all the doctors but yep. the prices were were so high mm-hmm. and they didn't really have many of the sort of 10 to 15 pound guests that they had the previous year and we were saying that's a bit of a shame really because unless you're going to shell out all that money there isn't really anyone for you to meet from doc two unless you you know you're going to spend sort of 500 pounds meeting the doctors so it's nice that they've got a few people like sarah sutton and john leeson that are around the sort of 10 to 15 pound mark this year as well no that's cool yeah Yeah. so how much are tickets then so the main the main one in july is 18 pounds for a single day and the spring one oh it's the same same (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, it's 12 quid on... Uh, oh, no, that's a child one. Oh, no, yes, 18 pounds, exactly the same. 16 pounds on a Sunday. Yeah. Mm. So, not much. I might good. do the spring one. Or, you know, work depending. I've got the spring one on the... I mean, I'm definitely up for the London one. Really want to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I might do the spring one as well, actually, if uh, money permitting and work permitting and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's quite tempting. I'd like to get a proper photo with Bernard Cribbins. That would be cool, actually. Yeah, yes. that would be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've been up to anything, anything else, buddy? Anything Doctor Who related? I've been quite slow on Doctor Who last week. Nothing much. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I've been reading, continuing to read Scratchman, the, the you know Doctor Who novel by Tom Baker. I'm, I'm really liking that. It's a <laughs> what I love about it is a, it's a good story. B, it's full of Tom's wit. I mean, you can totally tell he wrote it. It's, it's full <laughs> of his little quirkiness and. Um, and also the chapters are really short, so it's 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 a, the sort of book you can absolutely blitz through, oh, if you know what I mean. Because yeah. it's a it's a big hardback as well, so you sort of think, mm, you know, uh, it's not Lord of the Rings style, but it's you know it's a big hardback. So now I'm blitzing through that and absolutely loving it. And um, he was on Graham Norton at the weekend, Radio Two, uh, doing a little interview promoting it. Did you get to hear it? I heard some of it. Yeah, just a summary. Yeah. It was a great interview. Him and yeah. Graham just got on so well. It was brilliant. <laughs> I, I actually missed it. I was sat on my computer backing up some files and then I'd, I'd been talking about it all the, all the night before as well. Oh, Tom's on Radio 2 tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I think I must listen to that. I suddenly got to 12 o'clock. I was like, oh, no, quick, get the radio on. <laughs> Literally just missed him. Then I had to wait another hour and a half for the program to finish so that you can then play it on the iPlayer. So I, I sort of went back and listened to it. Um, and it was such a fun interview. Tom is just, it's the voice and his quirkiness and He's so mellow these days as well, isn't he? He's, he he's is. just, I, yeah. I just love Tom. Uh, so I listened to a bit of that, been reading his book. Uh, I haven't got round to listening to the David Tennant podcast yet. I was going to ask you if you'd listen to it. No, not yet. Not yet. No. Okay, because I'm hearing really good things about no. that. So the first, his first podcast dropped and uh, he's chatting to Olivia Coleman mm-hmm. uh, in the first one. And apparently it's really, really good. So i'm gonna listen to that this afternoon i think um so that's on my radar i haven't really yeah i haven't really done much else mate i saw lots of pictures from there was an event called science of the time lords um at some space center which we've looked at going before oh Uh, yeah in leicester the space center in leicester yeah yeah, and I, I tell you, one year I really want to go to that because the pictures I've seen floating about on Facebook of people I know that went to it, that looked like a great event, actually. It had um, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Paul McGann, and Sylvester McCoy were all there again. Yeah. Um, and they do photo shoots around this TARDIS console. It just looks great. And um, I was, I must admit, well, as I was sat at home listening to Tom on the radio and and stuff, I was thinking, God, I'd love to be here. A sort of event at the minute and you know i was looking at all these pictures of everyone and uh, yeah that did look really good so maybe maybe that's another one to put on the radar for next year that looked quite cool yeah but, absolutely uh, mate it does look like a good little good little event that one yeah it does but yeah. uh but apart from that mate i've been up to much no i would have the other thing i would have loved to have got to is tom did a a last minute signing at fp um so he did the graham norton show recorded that at radio two and then they whizzed him up to fp uh, to do a little signing of the Scratchman book, um, and I saw again just some, so many great photos from that event as well. Uh, you know, that's the thing I like about FP is they genuinely every event I've been to, they actually 
let you have photos at the table with the guests. You know, it's not like, yeah, come on, we haven't got time for photos. We've got to get everyone through. Yeah, you know, they actually, yeah, got your book signed, quick picture, off you go. And it's, you know, they're normally pretty good like that. And um, mm. saw lots of pictures of people meeting Tom and getting their Scratchman book signed. And again, I was a little bit jealous of that. I was like, oh, I'm stuck at home <laughs> doing this stuff. Oh, I really wish I was there. But that looked really good. It's great to see Tom doing, a, you know, a book signing as well. It's, uh, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, just been sat at home getting jealous of everyone <laughs> doing stuff. Really, <laughs> no, I read you might have the same yeah. the same thing a lot of times when I see uh, convention picks and event picks and stuff. Mm-hmm. More so when I see the US conventions because some of those look very cool. Oh, they do. I've always wanted to do. I want to sort of. I want to experience the atmosphere at US convention as well because, mm-hmm. in my mind, and I could be completely wrong, but in my mind, the Americans really go for it, and it just seems like they get really into it you know mm-hmm. like the cosplay and i i just imagine it always be such a a fun event yeah, you know i'm yeah. not saying the uk ones aren't because they are but like if you remember thinking back to lfcc last year do you remember the saturday when i had a meltdown and i was like i'm never doing this again i was <laughs> it was the most stressful yeah. horrible day <laughs> and i was just like oh god and then on the sunday we had a great day thank goodness but you know it I just always get the impression the American vet conventions are a bit more um, go with the flow and they just seem to be a bit more relaxed somehow. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. I've nothing to judge this on, but that's how I imagine them. So I'd love to do like Gallifrey one or something one year. It'd be brilliant. That would be awesome. Or um, Chicago TARDIS. That's another good Chicago one. TARDIS. Yeah. yeah. So many, so little time. I'm just looking to see how many followers David Tennant's got as an, an update. Cause we, uh, we were looking last week, didn't we, to see he'd got like 400 last week, didn't he? And I was like, really? I expected him to be on thousands because uh, he'd just launched, didn't he? So let's do an update. I <laughs> uh, can't find it now. What's he under? Uh, I think it's, um, is it David Tennant? Pod. Pod or something? Yeah. I can't find it now. No, I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think he's overtaking me on Twitter, unfortunately. Because I was, do you remember last week? I was like, yeah, he's only got 400 and I've got 2,000. But I think he's on about 50,000. Here we now, go. Now so he's got 12,068. 12, yeah. Oh, okay. So he's only 10,000 ahead of me then. That's not too bad. Yeah, give it a week, you'll be up then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. So we'll give, yeah, a little update on David Tennant. Yes. Our no, friend, for, David Tennant. Our friend, well, your friend. Yeah, I've we've, never met him. We've met him for <laughs> 3.2 seconds at a photo <laughs> shoot. Yeah. yeah. I'm really hoping he gets announced, actually. He's now the only living doctor I've got to meet, so I'd, I'd love him to be announced for LFCC. I Just not on the day when I can't get, can't mm. get a ticket. <laughs> just it would be good. Yeah. It will happen, mate. It will happen. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. Yeah. Right. We haven't got any news, as we said. There's no news. No, so let's just get our metal buddy in. See what Grumpy Pants has got. Yeah. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Your favourite subject. Where pretty. Where it concerns toys and collectibles. Mm-hmm. The uh, <laughs> what I really need now is another TARDIS in the house. That's what I really need. <laughs> so, uh, over the last couple of years, the B and M exclusive sets have uh, proved to be quite popular mm. amongst Who fans. We've even seen Black Friday IKEA style raucous 
yeah. raucous and rucks happen in shops with people trying to uh, to bag these. And we've also seen people buying like 50 of them at a time, piling them up in their house and saying, I've bought 50 of them. I'm not going to do anything oh, with yeah. them. Someone did that, didn't they? I was thinking <laughs> Just, the exaggerating. But no, somebody actually did that, didn't they? Posted on Twitter. Yeah. All these TARDIS box set lined up. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so that aside, um, the uh, guys at B&M are going to release a 5.5-inch uh, fourth Doctor and TARDIS set. So it's the uh, the regeneration set. So Tom Baker in the John Pertwee clothes. Mm. And uh, it's a nice little set. It's got the new, sounds weird, but it's got the new classic uh, packaging design. Yeah, it looks quite seem, nice, actually. Yeah, yeah, they seem to be going with. It's got like a nice dark blue with the chrome. They've still got that flipping yellow colour on there. If you look around the bottom, it's got a yellow. Oh, yeah. Eye. They can't yeah. get away from that bloody no, yellow. Just got just got over a yellow. Get a rid of it. Mustard yellow, yeah. Get rid of it. Uh, so it looks quite nice, and um, I'm not sure when this is out. Have we got a date on this yet? It's There's no confirmed date, because they keep saying, oh, February time, and yeah, they, they never seem to have proper release dates for these B&M sets. It's a bit annoying, really, but could be any time. Yeah, could be. And yeah. we're still not sure on price either. I imagine it'll probably be around the oh, 20 I quid. The, yeah, I think the Pertwee set was, was it 20 or 25? I can't Something remember like now. Because that. yeah. that's the thing, the B&M sets, they are not, you know, they're a budget store, so they normally, you know, the normally the price is yeah. fairly reasonable, which is why people um, buy them all up and then and sell them on eBay for silly prices, which is really frustrating. But uh, yes, it should be around 25. You can actually get one off the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. And the little TARDIS looks quite nice, actually. It does. I like it. Yeah. You know, they've changed it a bit because they did release one ages ago, didn't they? Uh, the third Doctor one. Yeah. Mm. They released that one ages ago, which I think is quite, goes for silly money on eBay. It now. does. Yeah. Yeah. It was really hard to get, actually. Yeah. Um, it could be mainly because people were just going around bulk buying them and selling them on, on eBay. Um, but yeah, I think it should have been around 25 quid, I think. Yeah. So this one looks quite nice. It's like a, it's got some decent weathering effects on it and stuff like that. And the, the actual figure itself looks reasonably good. Yeah, I'm not sure about the figure. I mean, this is just a prototype, so I'm not going to be yeah. too harsh on it. Um, I love the look of the TARDIS. I think it's great. Uh, yeah. The Tom figure is strange, actually, because they've, this is just a reissue of a figure. I mean, they released this before in the time capsule set, I think it was, and it looked fine, but they seem to have, I suppose they've tried to, maybe it's because it's, you know, made to a budget. It, it doesn't look as good. Uh, it looks yeah. as if they've done something to the face. I don't know. I can't work out what's different about it, but he doesn't look as good as he, he did previously this figure, but it, it's a, yeah, I, I really want to get a set. I mean, I love the, um, I love the TARDIS sets they do just because I love the TARDIS. So yeah. hopefully I'll be able to find one on the shelf this time and not have, to, yeah. Yeah, not have to scour around the country and, you know, grab one off eBay for silly money because they are nice and they should be, they should be a reasonable set. It's funny because I get annoyed that B&M get these because I don't have any, I have a couple of B&Ms, but they're not that close to me. So it does make them harder for me personally to get. So I'm always like, oh, why are B&M getting all these great sets? But I had to rethink that a little at the weekend because uh, we mentioned the Toy Fair uh, last podcast. Mm -hmm. And they were sort of saying, you know, these sets for the new series will only get released um, 
if there's interest from the retailers. And I was thinking, I suppose, in a way, I've got to give B&M a bit of slack, really, because the only reason we're getting these sets is because B&M are willing to invest money into them. Um, and especially as it's classic series, which I love, you know, anything to do with the classic series. So although I find it annoying that these are exclusive to B&M and the staff drive me crazy when you try and phone up to find out if they've got them before you trek, you know, 20 miles down the road, mm-hmm. they normally don't have a clue whether they've got them or not. Um, I suppose I've got to say, well, at least they're investing in the Dot 2 range. So, yeah, which is, you know, obviously a good thing. So, indeed. But, but I do find it frustrating. Yeah, trying to track these down in B and M can can be a bit of a night, uh, a bit of a headache. <laughs> it can be. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, sure. yeah. Well, yeah. No release day yet, but it'll be fairly soon. Fairly soon, I would have thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they've got all the yeah. packaging ready, and it's all good to go. So probably in the next month or two, I'd say. That's it. And our good friend Martin from Bad Wolf, he's um he lives very close to being there, very close. And he did message me the other day and said, you know, I'll, he's going to keep his eye out for one so that, uh, you know, hopefully I can get my grubby little hands on one. So cheers, Martin. Yeah, good lad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it for merch then. Nothing else really going on. So we're no, going to... No, it's not, is it? No. Not really. So we're going to slam into our review. Hmm. Which is... Which is the ESA Torchwood, uh, I think it's episode six, I'm not too sure, something like that. But it's series one and it's countryside. 17 disappearances within the last five months. It's not human. None of the bodies have ever been found. No one's safe. One minute they're here, the next gone. You can't fight them, they're too strong. Every 10 years, it takes us again. Harvest. Do you remember this scared, Jack? Torchwood continues next Sunday at 10 on BBC Three. BBC Three! Yay. Yay, back in the good old days. In the good old days. <laughs> Countryside was first broadcast back in 2006 mm. in November. So they just missed Halloween, but never mind. Yeah. And it was written by Chris Chibnall. Oh, I know that name. Yeah. Rings a bell. Directed yeah. by Andy Goddard. Stars the usual Torchwood team of series one and uh, a couple of cool, uh, well, at least one cool supporting cast Mm. member. And the plot is roughly, there's a bunch of people that have gone missing out in the countryside and their bodies have never been found, no trace. The Torchwood team arrive to investigate. They assume that it's some kind of alien thing that's like, because they find bodies that have got no skin and flesh on. They find skeletons and all sorts. They assume it's an alien threat that's sort of feeding on human flesh. And it transpires that it's actually a big conspiracy within this little village somewhere that once every 10 years, the villagers go through something called the harvest, where they essentially kill and murder a load of people and, yeah, eat their it's like cannibalism, essentially. Mm. And they're a bit crazy. It's like a village full of crazies because everyone's involved. The police are involved. It's all a bit, it's all a bit, what's the, the director's name who did the Sixth Sense and the village and stuff? What's his name? M. Knight, oh. and McKnight or something like that. I can't I remember. remember it, yeah. yeah. It's all a little bit that. So in a nutshell, it's Chris Chibnall ripping off another story, <laughs> basically, mm. which we saw in series 11 quite a lot. 
Mm. Yeah. What do you think to this one, buddy? Yeah, it's very grisly, isn't it? Very bit gory, this one. Very. Yeah. <laughs> bit gory. Um, hmm. I don't know what I think of it, really. Because I, I quite liked it on a first, you know, back in, what was it? 2006. Yeah. This is one that sort of stuck in my head as, oh, that was quite a good episode. And then I was watching it again last night and um, I enjoyed the majority of it. And I thought, sort of like the creepiness of it. It's like a horror film, really. It's very like, it's like so. a t- It's like a yeah. TV horror film, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there were bits of it that I really didn't like. Um, in particular, all the stuff between Owen and uh, Owen and, and Gwen. All that, all the, all this sexual tension and lust and getting in the way. And um, I don't know. It wasn't as good as I remembered. But but I did sort of overall enjoy it. Um, and it was. I remembered it being quite gory at the time. I still think it's quite gruesome in places. But again, not quite as bad as I remembered. Um, so overall, yes. Yeah, I think I think it's a good episode, just not quite as good as I remembered. But I'm finding that with as we revisit Torchwood, I'm finding that quite a lot actually. It's not. I don't know if it's because we're reviewing Sarah Jane as well, which I'm just finding hits every note. It's like it's got fun, it's got action adventure. With Torchwood, I remember thinking it was really good, and then as we're revisiting it, I'm finding it good, but I'm also finding a lot of fault with it. And I'm thinking like that, you know, like the cast gelling and stuff and the dialogue. I mean, some of the dialogue in this is terrible, uh, but then it's Chris Chibnall. So I shouldn't really be surprised at that. But yeah, I don't know. It's funny how the, the characters seem to sort of burst into these silly arguments in the middle of the most ridiculous um, sort of moment. And you sort of think, well, no, you wouldn't have that conversation then when you're locked <laughs> in a room, would you? You'd save that for later and stuff like that. Um, so as I'm going through Torchwood, it's I'm still enjoying it, but it's not as good as my memory thinks it is, if that makes sense. I'm sort of finding a lot of flaws in it, which I didn't sort of have on a first watch back in 2006, if that makes sense. And that's how I feel about this episode. I feel like it was good. And uh, and I kind of enjoyed watching it, but there's also quite a few flaws in it, which I think actually it's not not as good as I remember. So yeah, a bit of a, bit of a mixed mixed feelings on this one, really. Yeah. What about you, mate? Because this is considered one of the better episodes, I think, by a lot of people. What what do you think to it? Yeah. No, I read you, mate. It's um it's definitely considered one of the better ones, certainly of series mm. one. And uh, yeah, I because I I didn't watch this when it was originally broadcast. What was it like? Twelve years ago now. Mm something like that. And, uh, but I remember picking up the box set quite early and, you know, giving it a bit of a binge watch and so on. And thinking at the time, oh, this is, this is pretty good. This mm. is pretty good stuff. But now I'm re I think you're right. I think because we're watching it in comparison, not directly, but because we're doing it alongside like Sarah Jane and, uh, like the tenant and Smith era of who and stuff like that. It just doesn't seem, although it's set within the world of Dr. Who and, obviously has Captain Jack and so on because mm. it's so far removed from, from who, like if you, if you were to sit this down with somebody who hadn't watched Doctor Who either. So if you played them a few, eps, you know, stories of Doctor Who and then played a couple of episodes of Torchwood, but you didn't tell them that they were connected. I don't think they would in any way think, Oh, this is set in the same world as Doctor Who. Mm. It, you know, it doesn't have the same vibe. Like when we were saying about, I think quite early on when we started reviewing Sarah Jane, we said that the production on Sarah Jane and everything seems to have the same vibe as Doctor Who. Yeah. You, you know, you yeah. can tell that it's the 
the the crew but potentially has a bit of an overlap and i don't know just it just feels like doctor who you know um whereas this it's a it's got a shade of class about it where it just doesn't feel like you know i'm i'm not saying that it's as far as removed as class because class was apart from the cameo from capaldi had pretty much nothing to do with doctor who at all you could have put any old sci-fi name to it and it potentially would have done better i'm not sure but mm. torchwood does feel very removed yeah here. and it, i'm glad you mentioned class actually because believe it or not because that's the thing and i know people would be saying yeah but sarah jane torchwood aimed at two totally different audiences i get that and um you know i totally get that but it's funny because the things that I'm picking up on Torchwood so far in in, uh, in the rewatch that I don't enjoy are elements that reminded me uh, are reminding me of class. You know, the right. things that I didn't like about class are the things that, that I'm noticing I don't like about Torchwood, and it's things like sort of um, you know gratuitous language. Like so, there's quite you know the f words used a few times. Thinking because it doesn't, it feels like it's thrown in because. This is an adult Doctor Who show. We've got to have a few Fs and blinding things going on in it. And we've got to have loads of gore. And we've got to have lots of blood because this is adult Doctor Who. And it's a bit too too much sometimes. It just feels a little bit like mm. gratuitous. And I, I'm thinking, so it was weird watching this last night. As I said, I, I, I do love the creepy atmosphere about it. I, the beginning, the first... Um, sort of first five minutes with that woman in the car and she sees the body in the road and it's actually a you know a dummy with a football for a head and it's a really great creepy intro i love the first five minutes then we get you know then they arrive and they have a bit of banter and that's all fine and then there's all the good stuff where they're creeping around the the buildings and you're wondering what on earth's going on and what is this alien threat and it isn't an alien threat as it turns out so there's some really great stuff going on in this episode um I really do think. But then there are other bits that, like I said, it just sort of did remind me of things to do with class, which I just found really cringy. And I'm like, oh, no. It's like, yeah. you know, like, as I said, this this relationship that's come out of nowhere between Owen and Gwen, because I think they got locked in a cupboard, didn't they, in one episode, which might have been Cyberwoman, the, the other Chibnall one, because I think he, <laughs> he does reference his own episode in this a few times. He mentions um, whatever her name is that got turned into Cyberwoman. Lisa, yeah. Because old Owen, uh, sorry, uh, Yanto gets all upset and he's like, oh, you've <laughs> forgotten her already. And I was thinking, yeah, we have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he mentions that. And then, yeah, there's this sort of scene between Owen and Gwen in the forest near the beginning where oh, they're doing all this sort of heavy breathing. Oh, oh, you know, And I'm like, wow, it's so uncomfortable. And so it do doesn't feel natural at all. Um, I don't like all this sexual tension in between the, the torture group at all. You know, you've got Jack's lusting after everyone and <laughs> Owen and Gwen seem to be lusting after her, and she's with him at the end. Um, and I think the thing I hate about that is because I really love the character of Reese, you know, Gwen's boyfriend. I just, yeah, he's such a yeah. likable character that every time I see Gwen going off with Owen or Jack and, you know, doing naughty things. I'm like, oh, come on, Gwen. Yeah. How could you do that to it? And it just, it, 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 I just don't, it's a bit like the 10th Doctor and Rose relationship. I just don't think it, it needed it. You know, right. it, it, I don't enjoy those elements of the story personally. I just yeah. would much rather it wasn't there. So that scene in the forest that starts, it was awful when they're like doing all the heavy breathing and on against the tree. Oh and yeah. All, that's, it's just yeah. so cringy. And then there's another bit later when he's removing bullets from her, her 
where she's sort of got shrapnel in there and he's removing all the shrapnel and they're sort of almost getting it on then as well. And I'm thinking, oh dear, oh dear. dear, oh dear. So bits <laughs> like that just ruined this for me really. Cause it was just, otherwise I thought it was quite a good creepy episode with some good tension in it. And the music's brilliant in it. Don't know who did the instrumental music, but it really sets the tone for all the scenes. It's really good. It's very cool. The, the yeah. creepy music. I've no idea who did it cause it doesn't tell us on the, wikipedia but um it's not um it's not murray but i don't think but whoever did it was good yeah no it was good it was um yeah so i think um i think i yeah i agree with you for the most part mate i think it just my my main problem with it i think this is my main problem with the first half of torchwood i suppose Mm. is that they don't seem to have and it surprises me a lot because russell you know, set this all up and got it going. Mm. But it doesn't seem like they've decided on on the chemistry properly between the characters. Because if you were to look at it from Jack from Captain Jack's point of view, you know, everything's cool. You know, he's like mm. the Colgate smile, you know, sexy American guy and, you know, everything's, you know, cool from his perspective. And he's got his team of tortured people and and all that lot is great. But then if you look at it from someone like Tosh, Tosh's perspective, especially in this one, you know, she'd, she would rather be, you know, a million miles away because she's got all that tension when they're around. They've just set up camp towards, you know, at the beginning. Mm. And she finds out that um, Owen and Gwen kissed at some point and she's all... Oh, she gets know, all whooped. Yeah. yeah, she gets all salty with Gwen and stuff. And then... A bit later on, she's, you know, still moaning about it when she goes off with Yanto and stuff. But then the bit where her and Yanto are trapped when they get captured and they're down in the basement, mm. she's yelling in Yanto's face like, we do this to protect people and we, we're here That's for a reason. That's the scene I was on about, that unnatural dialogue. Yeah. yeah. And then Yanto like shoves her out the way because for some reason he wants to see all the gore in the fridge. Yeah, you know, right, yeah. it's like they have these like little arguments in between, and I get it uh, because it's adult. You know, it's not like uh, Sarah Jane or Doctor Who that's aimed at a lower audience, where a lower age audience. Sorry, where you know everything's got a happy ending sometimes, you know, and everything's in a nice little bubble, and the world's fantastic and all that stuff. I get it. It's meant to be like this is more the real world. You know, adults see things. You know, we do see the negative side of people, and we do see like the affair that Gwen has with Irene and stuff, you know, Mm. that's like real life stuff that happens, but I get it. But it just doesn't, it just seems at odds with the, the main premise of the show. So the whole premise is you've got these band of people that are there by choice because they're this cool band of like, it's almost like Robin Hood and his merry men. You've got Captain Jack and these people that are above the law and they, they're there to protect people and it's this cool thing. But then you have episodes like this where it feels like they would be each each person in the team would would want to be anywhere but in this team at this point. Yeah. You know? I mean Gwen even says at the end that she's like, Oh, I had a good you know, I had such a good life before I joined this team and I had it all. Good promotion, loving boyfriend, all this sort of stuff. And, and yeah, she's it, getting I'm fine. shot and sleeping with other people and yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. But I'm finding the chemistry is the thing that's not really working for me on on this rewatch. You know, between the cast, yeah. uh, I know it does settle down. I, I'm I, I'm sure it does. Um, but that's the thing. Yeah, it's right. It's if it's as if. Um, so this is episode six of series one. To me, they're still finding their feet, and the characters are being written sort of 
to suit the story every week as well. You know, like Owen is an absolute wally. I'm trying to find a nice word that I can use on the podcast in this beginning of this, isn't he? He's such an irritating He's, he's just so annoying at the start of this episode and he's coming out of all these sarky comments and trying to upset everyone in the group. And actually, that's the thing. Out of all the characters, I'm not really liking any of them. They're not really that <laughs> likable, are they? Like Gwen's cheating on Owen, which I don't like, and she's being all thing. And, and then you've got Owen just coming out and being horrible to everyone. And Tosh, I'm liking. I'm, I'm warming towards Tosh a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yanto to an extent, although he's a bit of a wet less, and he, and then you've got Jack going around with this tiny little piddly gun, which just looks pathetic. Oh, the water pistol. Oh, yeah. that <laughs> when he's <laughs> when he's prancing around that little gun, I just can't take it seriously. Um, but I mean, I like you know, I like the character of Captain Jack. So, so out of the whole team, the only people I'm really liking so far in this series is, is um, Jack and Tosh. <laughs> The rest of them are are kind of like, and that's, you know, again, I don't remember feeling that particularly when I first watched this, but on a rewatch, I'm just thinking they're not particularly likable group of people yet, you know, and they seem to want to just backbite each other all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't even know why they're together all the time. time. So yeah, it's, it's just little bits like that I'm finding are different to my rose tinted memories of Torchwood, if you like. I don't remember all this stuff. Yeah. No, it's strange. I mean, it does put you off the story because it's a good story. I mean, Chivers has come up with a good concept, a good story. It's mm. definitely got that um, sort of independent horror film about it. It's got that creepiness and the suspense yeah. builds up and uh, where the the twist at the end is that the villagers are the ones that are, are doing the killing and they're not hiding from like monsters or aliens or anything like that. So it's got a cool twist, you know, and the guy that, that plays the main dude at the end... Um, What's his name? Uh, I think he plays Evan. Is it Owen Teal? Yeah, he plays Evan mm. and his wife. Um, you know, they're very, very creepy. And he puts in a cracking performance at the he end. He does. He really does, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that scene where he's chasing chasing Tosh out in the forest is suspenseful. Oh, yeah, that is good, yeah. yeah. So it's got, it's a really good horror based, I mean, it's definitely a horror episode. It's got some... The direction's really good, isn't it, by Andy Goddard? I guess say in yeah. terms of getting that, it does feel very claustrophobic, and it does feel like a proper horror film in many places, like that scene you just mm. said where he's chasing Tosh. Yeah, that is pretty. That is well directed, and you are on the edge of your seat, like, oh, is she? You know, she's not going to die, but yeah, it's it's well done, yeah, definitely def- well oh, done. Yeah. yeah. So there's some great performances in there from, especially Owen Till. I mean, he just. He nails that at the end. He's great, isn't he? Yeah, he is very good. Yeah, and it's really creepy when Gwen's, for some bizarre reason, you know, she wants to interview him at the end to find out the reasons why they did it. You know, she can't let it go. And when he just leans (laughs) forward, you know, and he just says, like, because we loves it. Mm. Just so sinister. And you can tell that they will, you know, beep, beep crazy. Yeah. And uh, it just makes it even more chilling because there's no... It, all we know is this sort of mythical harvest thing that they do every. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's great. The the story elements the are very good. Is really creepy. And if yeah. you're into horror films, if you're into a sort of suspenseful, you know, gory horror, mm-hmm. then this is definitely for you. It's definitely one of those creepy, suspenseful stories. Um, it just needs the chemistry between the cast to kind of elevate it up to a, you know, a really memorable. Because I don't know about you, because when I first watched this a few years ago, um, the only things that I, re- I remembered until I watched it last night was 
the the twist at the end, and also uh, the opening scene with the woman in the car, mm-hmm. um, and Gwen getting shot when they have like the run around the pub. <laughs> yeah, um, but I don't remember the other little bits that make up the story until I watched mm-hmm. it last night. So there's a there's a few key elements in there that I remembered, and I I thought that sounds you know I remember that being very cool. But one thing that, um, apart from the chemistry stuff aside, is that for some reason it does. It this felt longer than what I remember it, a Torchwood episode being. I know it's meant to be. Was it just under an hour? It's fifty minutes. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, when it got to the bit where Tosh and Yanto are trapped in the basement, mm. for some reason, I thought to myself, "Have we been watching this for over an hour already?" It do, it does feel like it's gone on for quite a long time until you get to the twist at the end. Yeah. You know, because I I felt at the end I thought. That was that was you know fairly fairly good. That's a fairly good watch, but I feel like I've just been sat in the TV in front of the TV for ages. Did you feel that? A, a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say uh, that's one thing I will say about this episode. I wasn't bored, even in the bits I found cringy. I was never bored during this episode. I will say that uh, it definitely keeps my attention um, more than other episodes that we've watched so far. So that's good. But yes, I do know what you mean because I, I think it was around about the same time actually. I was starting to feel like there was a little bit of filler uh, sort of thing. So they've been put there, but now they've come to get them to take them. And I was thinking, well, why, just, why didn't they just take them to him to begin with? Why did they lock them up first? And so I, it was more to do with, um, as I said, I wasn't bored, but it was more to do with, I was thinking Chibnall does that sometimes where he's got a storyline, but then he kind of hasn't got anywhere else to go with it. So he starts putting in these scenes, which have don't take the story forward at all. Um, so I kind of get what you mean. It did feel like a, a slightly yeah, long just a episode, bit but I wasn't bored. I must admit, yeah, a bit filler in places. Um, but yeah, it, I will say it did, it did hold my attention. I that definitely did hold my attention to the story, even the cringy bits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. I wasn't, I wasn't reaching for my phone or, you know, wishing mm. it was done. I just thought when it was done, I thought, crikey, was that a film? Was that a, a mm. Torchwood sort of mini film I've just watched? For some reason, it just seemed to, I don't know. It just feels like a longer episode than what it actually is. But yeah, yeah. Um, and did you like the so the fact that they um, they set up camp and then somebody steals the car mm. and you know trashes everything and goes off because um, that really starts the ball rolling from that point for me. So it, yeah. when they and then uh, Yanto starts tracking it and they end up at the little village and stuff like that. Um, Initially, I thought it was going to be some kind of zombie episode because normally that sort of zombie outbreak thing is where, you know, little villages and places like that are deserted and so on. But there's one thing that I didn't quite understand. And that is because the story was kind of set up that way, the twist at the end doesn't really make sense for the rest of the story. And let me explain very, very quickly. So when they get to mm. the village after the stars, uh, the car's been stolen, all of the buildings, like all of the homes and the, the village pub and everything like that, all the windows have been smashed and everything's, you know, knackered inside and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it makes it look like some kind of, you know, aliens really done a number on the place or it's like a zombie outbreak or something like that. And then when you get to the twist at the end, it turns out that it's just a small group of villagers that have done it. So uh, why did they trash their own village? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So they kill yeah. they kill people 
And then they dragged them down into the basement, whatever, to chop them up and put them in the fridge or do whatever they do with it. Why did they... Why why do they look so like they've been homeless for like six months or a year and they've trashed all of their own buildings and they've, you know, done a number on it? Where they're the ones that are doing it. It's like there's only one like there's one lad with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that that's what I couldn't figure out as I got to the end of the story. I was like, oh, that's really cool. But why does the village look like something out of a zombie film where it's the villagers mm. themselves that have killed people and dragged them into the basement? I, that bit just didn't click with me for some reason. But that's just yeah, tippers, I suppose. No, I hadn't really thought about that, but it's a good point, actually. Yeah, because everything's boarded up and trashed. Um, I don't know. Unless they're supposed to be from a different... I don't know. Unless they're from a different village and they've that's the village they've taken over i really don't know i hadn't thought about that but it's a good point actually yeah because they do because if they're only doing it for that time of the year and then for the rest of the year they go back to being normal yeah. citizens so oh, good morning and all that sort of stuff so why yeah if they're only doing it for that short time when yeah. they have this harvest exactly yeah it's like for yeah. the, the next nine years until the next one rolls around they then have to then repair and rebuild all of their <laughs> buildings in the village where well, all they needed to do really was just keep the basement free yeah weird I, I i'm not sure about the twist either i mean i in a way i quite like it because you do think it's an alien don't you because you sort of see yeah. something moving about in the background oh what was that yeah. so you assume it's going to be alien and it turns out just to be just a load of cannibals um i, I just don't know i, I kind of like it because it's a different twist but you kind of feel like so yeah, tortured is. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still not really sure about the twist, to be honest. Um, I think I like it. <laughs> yeah, I just quite... I don't know. It just sort of takes away the sci-fi element. It's a bit like um, a bit like that thing in Demons of the Punjab, where the, those great-looking aliens just turned out to be there just as to witness the you know to be there when someone dies. It's like oh, it's quite a nice twist, but it also feels a bit underwhelming, doesn't it? Exactly, mate. This is the mm. thing with Chibbers. We mm. saw that a lot in series eleven. Yeah, where in the, some of the stories, it's actually the humans that are the problem. Yeah, and we see that here. It's nothing to do with monsters or aliens. It's it's it seems to be a thing with Jibbers. He wants to highlight that yes, there are baddies and monsters and aliens in the world doing bad things. But if you look closer mm -hmm. to home, it's you know our you know it's our own race that are doing bad things. Yeah, you know, and save that crap for for Broadchurch. <laughs> If you want to series, <laughs> series four, <laughs> yeah. If you want to highlight, you know, the human race doing bad things, then save that for your other non-sci-fi based dramas. Yeah, you know, we we get that. We don't need to. Be, this this is a sci-fi show, anyway. Yeah, um, it's all right now and again. I mean, of course, like every, yeah. if, but that's the thing. I mean, yeah, it was a bit overkill in series eleven, definitely. But yeah. I don't know if they do it again in this series. So yeah, as a one-off, I think it it kind of works. <laughs> but it just it does also just feel a bit of a letdown, doesn't it? It's like oh, a little oh, bit. just cannibals. It's just the village yeah. crazies. Yeah, yeah. But I think the crazy. twist was good because it was sold very well. The um, it was yeah, that's uh, true. Helen, uh, played by Maxine Evans, she sold mm. that very well. She was yeah when she turns up with the with the shotgun and she. She, she sells it to them, doesn't it? Doesn't it that mm. she's been forced by these things to go and get them and take them somewhere? And it's not until they get in there that you know it, it it's all kicks off and she changes immediately. And it's you can see their insanity come out and stuff. So mm. I think the twist was sold very well. It, it was very cool. 
but it's just a little bit, you know, I was expecting some really cool looking alien thing to be, you know, gnawing on a bone of a, someone's thigh and, yeah, you know, all that stuff. But I don't know, it's just, yeah. It, it was sold well, I think, because you get to meet that kid who's got the rifle. Yes. Who's not, he's not part of it, is he? So Doesn't look like it, no. No. What happens to him? Uh, no, he survives, doesn't he? So he's... I can't remember. He and taken, he watched this last night as well. Yeah, he gets taken into the basement and, yeah. And if Captain oh, Jack yeah, hasn't then, turned up and doing his Rambo moment... Now, but, you see, yeah. that that was another book point where <laughs> I just thought that it was ridiculous. Um, that, that was so cheesy. And I mean, why do they all just stand there and yeah. get shot? I mean, he, he takes out about 10 people. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, come on. That that did take it down for me. I thought that was a bit... I know what they were trying to go for, the epic moment of Jack comes in and saves the day and there's en- empty bullet cartridges falling yeah. on the floor and it's in slow-mo and it's all epic. But for me, I was laughing. I said, that is so blimmin' cheesy. I said, why, why are they, how has he just shot all of them like, and not got... How has he not got cannibalized? You know what I mean? It's just, that was a bit ridiculous, really. Yeah, because they don't attempt to run away. They don't attempt to... No, they just to... all stand there and get shot. He's just going, boom, one, boom, yeah. two, boom. What? What is going on? It was just, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, and they don't I, reach I for their weapons either. They don't reach for anything. They don't run away. No. It, it's just a bit of a spotlight on Jack and he's... I mean, at least man. he had a, at least he had a decent gun. I'll give him that. If he'd have come in and done it with his little water pistol, then I would have just had to have yeah. dropped off two points. <laughs> but yeah, at least he had a decent gun doing it. I yeah. suppose it just felt like one of those moments in like a really old Stallone or Arnie film back in yeah. the day where he just rocks up and takes out everyone, doesn't get shot himself or harmed in any way. It's, it's it. a bit of a hark back to the old. Action yeah, movies, no, I, 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 yeah. It it was fun, I suppose. I yeah. just couldn't help but laugh and say, oh dear. Yeah, it definitely provided an unintended comedy moment. Mm. <laughs> I, bet Bar- I bet John Barrowman loved that, though. I bet he loved oh, scenes course, like yeah. that. Can imagine him outside <laughs> gearing up, right, here we go, getting in. You know, they loved it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't really think of anything else that I've got I'm just looking notes, at my really. list, um, yeah. I've got the bit about Gwen getting shot. That was overly done I think when the, the the young lad fires the the shotgun she gets blown back off the doorstep and mm. blood everywhere and then the next scene oh it's just grazed her side there's just a few <laughs> bits yeah. in her side so I thought well she's clearly not dead she's, you know, she's in it for the rest of the show so she's not yeah. dead but how are they going to explain this one in because it looked like she got shot you know full in the in the stomach sort of thing mm. but it turned out it's just a little bit of shrapnel in her in the side it's nothing bad yeah it, it yeah. does go from like she's running around after she gets shot she's fine one minute and then at the end she's like gripping oh <laughs> oh i'm gonna faint yeah yeah so that was on my notes as well that's um yeah no i mean i haven't got much more on my notes the only thing i, <laughs> I thought the supporting cast were good as i said the, the people playing the cannibals yes um yep. they were well cast because not only did they act the part well um in the nicest way they looked really creepy as well didn't yeah, they just yeah. their whole uh demeanor and everything about them just looked really creepy so i thought that they were really well cast um in fact there was nobody bad in this particularly in terms of performance with the supporting cast um i think they were all really really good especially the the main guy um i don't know what, what he was called evan the guy who chases uh tosh, tosh yeah. through the 
through the thing. He was very good. I've is it one of those actors as well that I, I recognise from other things, but I'm like, I can't place him. I'm sure I've seen him. He's in Game of Thrones. If you oh, is he? That. Oh, yeah. well, I don't watch that, but yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I've seen him in in other things. He's been in loads of stuff, but I think he's mainly known for these days anyway Game of Thrones Game of Thrones yeah. is there anybody that's not in Game of Thrones <laughs> everybody's no. in that no no so yeah so the supporting well, cast yeah. very good um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about the the main cast or do you think they're just pre uh, well we've spoken about them I think um, yeah I haven't really got I mean yeah Owen was quite annoying for the bulk of it Gwen's he was just wasn't he he was written a as a real slag. little bleep yeah Gwen was just being a She's turned into a slag. Owen's turned into an annoying little beep. Uh, Yanto's turned into a crybaby, but actually he always is, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, but I thought Tosh Tosh stepped up to play a little bit because she's been in the background so far this series and she did actually, she had some good moments. I thought hmm. She did come to the fore a little bit more in this episode, I I thought. like she, she felt a bit more like getting stuck into the action and things. So I did like Tosh in this one. She, yeah, she was okay, actually. Yeah, she was okay. And Barrowman's just being typical Barrowman, isn't he? Captain Jack jumping around corners with his little gun. So neither good or bad, just just typical Barrowman. So, yeah, uh, yeah, they did, no nobody particularly shone from the main cast for me in this. They, I think they all just kind of were there and were were fine and good and and that's all well. But nobody, there wasn't anybody I thought, oh yeah, you know, so and so was really good this week, or they really took the lead in that episode. They kind of all had their own little bits to do, but. That was about it, really. No, I agree. Mm. I concur as usual. But positives for me would be direction, very good. Mm -hmm. I thought the music was good. I believe it might have been Ben Foster looking down the list here, which is, um, what's his brother's name that does the proms? Or is it Ben that does the proms? It is Ben that does the proms, yeah. All oh, right. Well, yeah. I think he might have done the instrumental music in this, looking at Wikipedia, but I could be wrong. But thought the music was good in it. Direction good. Supporting cast good. Just... Yeah, just I just don't like this sexual chemistry between the Torchwood thing. Um, didn't she go off with Jack at one point as well? Or have we already had that? Uh, well, she's kissed him a couple of times, doesn't oh, she, already? And, yeah, it just it reminds me of the Doctor and Rose stuff. I just don't think it needs to be there. But yeah, yeah. otherwise, I thought it was a fairly decent episode, actually, overall. Fairly decent. Okay. Certainly very watchable. Well, it's your turn to go first, actually. So why don't you drop a okay. score? Yeah. yeah, I'm going to drop a seven on a this seven. one. A yeah. seven, yeah, yeah. Thank it could it could have been better, I think, but I think it was it was decent. So seven. Uh, cool. Uh, I'm going to go with a seven too. A seven as well. Yeah, I'm not going to change my mind. I had a seven written down after I watched it, and I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just think it was yeah, just a decent Torchwood story, really. Just a few little things that bring the scores down. It's, obviously, with hindsight, you can gleefully say what they are, but. Yeah. Just briefly, do you wish they'd brought the um cannibals in a bit earlier? Yes. Uh, well, I, th- I think the I think the twist is good. Yeah. But it could have benefited a little bit because I think in the middle it does go a bit little bit filler, a little bit. Bit saggy. Yeah, the reason I say that is because I think that's the that's the problem is that the twist is good, so you don't want it to you don't want it till near the end. But I also think you've got such a good supporting cast. I kind of think they should have been in it a little bit more. But uh, but I suppose that would have ruined the twist. So fair yeah, enough. Fair enough. Well, there's our scores. What did our beautiful listeners think? Mm. Um, we had a few people comment over on Twitter. Uh, Jake, so Jake B said, one of the most overrated episodes of Torchwood. Oh. A bit unoriginal and uninspired feels like just uh, like any other horror film. A six out of ten. 
Uh, Spencer Shively says, uh, watch this a couple of months ago before we started doing Series 11. Very cliched ending, but I think overall done pretty well. Really liked Owen Teal from Game of Thrones at the end and liked the bits in the beginning with the whole gang talking. Seven flayed skeletons out of ten. Uh, Jordan Shortman, one of our writers on the site, says, one of my favourite Torchwood episodes. It terrified me when I was younger, thanks to Owen Teal's performance. Love Owen's comments on camping. They're my exact thoughts. Um, full of horror cliches and references, but really a fun 40 minutes that gives the whole gang something to do. Uh, Jamie Aspinall says, one of the best stories in Series 1 and one of the best in the Hooniverse, written by the man himself, Jibbers. Uh, worth a watch since Chivers might have ruined Doctor Who, but hopefully not for good. Uh, eight cannibals out of ten. Uh, Mark Shemans says, uh, I think it's the best thing Chibnall has written. Actually, it could be the only good thing he has written. Oh, oh dear. Uh, Walter M says, I especially like this episode as how scary and creepy it was, plus a definite change of pace. And uh, Pete Adamson says, gory, just gory. No wonder it was rated an 18 in Ireland. Was it? Wow. Mm. Uh, over on Facebook we had a few there Ryan McGiven says um, arguably the best tortured episode it feels as if the team are in genuine danger with a messed up villain which made the situation feel unpredictable at times it works really well as a standalone episode a 9 out of 10 mm, it definitely has a good threat level I will say that oh for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Carl Elwell says this is where Jack's theme comes into play according to Ben Foster for the first time Mm. Uh, the lyrics he made up for this here he comes with a bloody big tractor makes sense <laughs> if you watch the final 10 minutes yes it does uh, also the chilling finale where Owen Till is asked what they do and he just responds with tears in his eyes because we loves it uh, gives mm. it a 9 out of 10 as well oh. uh, Martin Vincent over at Bad Wolf says I uh, haven't seen it for a while but I remember quite liking this one I always questioned why Jack let Gwen run into the building first though yeah yeah Jack you wimp you big wimp uh, this one is also improved if you listen to the big finish audio broken it fills in a few plot holes from this series oh maybe we'll find out why they trash up their own pub yeah <laughs> cheers mate and lastly Andrew Cuthbert says Owen Teal makes for a truly terrifying villain it's one of my favourite stories of the first series. Can we take a moment to praise the direction during Jack's gun scene? <laughs> uh, gives it eight dodgy pies out of ten. <laughs> dodgy pies. Dodgy pies. Uh, so that's it for our listener reviews. Thank you so much for um, taking the time to do that. Next week, we are back on to uh, newer Doctor Who. So what have we got next week, buddy? Yeah, next week, 11th Doctor two-parter. So we're going to be reviewing the Rebel Flesh and the Almost People. So we're going to be doing them as uh, both parts next week. That's, yeah, a good point. Because we're stretching over our schedule we'd be doing the second part a month later might be a bit disjointed so yeah yeah the rebel flesh and the almost people almost the old people. Uh, matt smith gooey play-doh people pretty sure i haven't watched this since it aired i'm pretty sure so i'm kind of looking haven't. forward to going back to it in, in a strange way i mean there might be a reason i haven't re-watched it but uh yeah i'm look, kind of looking forward to giving this another go because I, I genuinely can't remember anything apart from Matt Smith having a gooey face. <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen this one twice over the years. Yeah, I, I might have watched it, in a it long since, time, I'm though. not sure, but yeah. yeah. Yes, but there we go. Get that watch, get that two-parter watch. We'll be asking for your thoughts on that as always next week. Mm. And I think we'll wrap there for 218. Okay. <laughs>
you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us through episode 218. Bit of a short show this one. There was no news to speak of. One bit of merch, which is the B&M uh, Fourth Doctor Regeneration Bigger and Tardis set, which will be out hopefully pretty soon. And obviously our review of Torchwood Countryside. Reasonable scores, a seven. Not too bad. And... Uh, most of our listeners liking that one, so obviously a popular, popular story within Torchwood. Yeah. Next week, Matt Smith, the Eleventh Doctor, the Rebel Flesh, and the Almost People. So get your box sets out, get that watched, so we can get your thoughts and views on that one as always. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to every episode on the website. Uh, there's also buttons there's a link off to all the various podcast networks if you subscribe to the show you'll never miss one as it lands on a friday morning and if you're an itunes subscriber if you could spare a minute for a review or a rating that would be awesome because it helps us out loads and there's also buttons on there to link off to the various social networks as adam and i chat doctor who during the week Check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag, on yes, YouTube. Yes, The Geek's Handbag. Very cool YouTube channel. Loads of videos mm. to worth checking out. And he's also you're also on all the socials under the same name. So just do a search yes. for The Geek's Handbag. He's everywhere. <laughs> he's everywhere. Until next week, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh, El- 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 El-